0: Welcome to the Truth to Power Show in Radio for Brooklyn. I'm your host, Vijay Nathan, And with us today is, uh, co-host Colt Malson. Welcome, Colt. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, hi. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. So, um, our special guest is Andrew Barfield, who is a very interesting and dynamic storyteller as well as a, uh, very great person, um, a friend of mine. And he's going to talk about, uh, journeys in faith. So, uh, welcome, Andrew everybody hi hi good 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 let me just make sure your volume is okay um and crank you up okay cool cool so um yeah welcome andrew so now first let's talk a little bit about we're talking a little bit uh journeys in faith and let's start a little bit from the beginning tell us a little bit about uh how your upbringing and where you were born and and how your journey began
1: okay
2: uh first of all um i'd like to say that I was born and raised in Yonkers New York I started out there in a small project uh, government housing uh, called cottage gardens but I think they have been tearing that place down you know over the years and converting it over to uh, to uh, uh, townhouses and stuff like that from public housing but you know growing up there in the 70s which was which was uh pretty cool it was Nice childhood and everything. But my parents, they were from the South. They were from North Carolina. And um, they were into the church. And we started out as uh, apostolic faith. And uh, it's almost like Pentecostal. For those who don't know, who are not familiar with it. You know, it's Christian, of course. Um, They believed in, you know, Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, the virgin birth. And they believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back. So that's pretty much the sense of how all that is going. So in my younger years, going to church all the time, where, you know, me and my siblings, I have five other siblings. I'm number five out of the pack, (laughs) second to the youngest. But, um, you know, we were, every Sunday we would go to church. And I would spend, uh, you're talking about from... 9 30 or 10 o'clock to about three o'clock every sunday at church and um we would have sunday school in the morning for about an hour or so then take a little break and then you know they have the main service then you hear some preaching every now and then i'll be in there falling asleep but you know that's every kid's dream you know (laughs) but my parents were a little more tight on the things about falling asleep like my father when uh the punishment, like if you fell asleep when a sermon was going on, was you had to wash the dishes for the whole week. <laughs> but, you know, so every now and then I would doze off, of course, as a kid, you know. But, um, you know, I didn't mind washing the dishes either. I was like, hey, if I'm going to wash the dishes, might as well let me have my nap time. But yeah. if I was still with it, he still would just wake me up anyway. Oh, you got to wash the dishes. But you got to stay awake too. I was like, well, if I already got the punishment, then I might as well commit continue the offend. you know, let me go to sleep. But, um, you know, that type of upbringing was, you know, the church meant a lot to my, to my family, to my mom, my, my father, you know, my father was a deacon in the church and, um, my mom, you know, just a regular, uh, parishioner that would go. And, uh, but that pretty much shapes a lot of my character. I would have to say, um, you know, as I was growing up trying to deal with people, I never bought bullied anyone, you know, those type of things. And, um, and it tried to keep me on the right track, you know, helping people, you know, believing that there is a higher power above myself. So that's pretty much the humble beginning how it all starts out. But you know, there's other stuff that goes on down the road as you go on through the school years.
0: Yeah. yeah, and also like you know, I think that as children growing up, we are kind of taught certain things. And was there ever a questioning period where you were like inter- interrogating, and and what was that like? When at what age did you start to kind of interrogate this faith? Uh, did you, or and, and how did that kind of process evolve over the years?
2: Oh, that that's uh, that's a very that's a very uh, way of putting it because I, I I started to think about life a little bit early and i think around um, i was coming conscious and aware of things in life i think i, I might have been like five and no, early, it's like stuff like yeah, stuff like, yeah, it's stuff like santa claus yeah. you know people trying to tell you about santa claus but i never believed in santa claus i just never believed in santa claus yeah and i used to tell everybody there's no santa claus there's no santa claus they used to argue <laughs> about it but that thinking alone started to get me to see different things down the road I remember something vivid about um, seeing some people shoot drugs, actually. Uh, it was heroin. i seen two people shooting heroin. I was about eight. And um, and I was on top of a roof. I used to climb a lot of roofs and stuff. And I heard some people talking. I looked down. And I see these guys down there. You know, they have a cup of water, a needle. You know, they're pouring powder. And he shoots it into his arm. He takes the strap off, He's... His head rolls back. I thought he'd see me. I pull back. I look back over. The guy's there. The other guy, you know, cleans out the syringe with the water, does repeat. So I go down there where they at. You know, these guys are out there, out cold. And that kind of, like, let me see that anything that has that kind of power over a person, I don't want no part of that. You know? So I was, at eight living. years old, I started thinking about the world a little bit. And um, that led me... By the time I was 12 years old in, in church, I used to ask them a whole bunch of questions when they used to talk about the end times. Everybody always talked about revelation. You know, oh, Jesus coming back, there's going to be a tribulation period, the Antichrist and all this other stuff. But I used to ask a lot of questions about that. But ever doubting God? Never. Hmm. Never. I always knew that something always inside me always would compel me to believe that there's something greater than myself that created all these things. Yeah.
1: Um, well, I just wondered that, that going to church that last throughout your whole childhood and teenage years, like were you know, were in high school and still going to church on Sundays.
2: So you're saying about the high school years?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, by the time, yeah. Dad,
2: you were saying about the high school years. No, i was just
1: wondering if it continued the, the 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 going to church every day with your family, like every the, every Sunday. Every, was
0: it was something unbroken, or was there ever time where you were like? Oh you know pushing it that, away yeah
2: oh oh no 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 well, that went on up until I was in high school, so my father passed when I was eleven, but we kept going to church for a while and what happened was the the thing that really stopped me from going to church all the time was I started working mm-hmm. I started working at sixteen yeah, and then sometimes I would work on Sundays, yeah, and that's how I got out of going to church on Sundays all the time
0: but yeah. it
2: wasn't a plan thing is just that I was working and I was doing a lot, trying to support myself at the time.
0: Yeah. I'd yeah, like to hear that, more that, about, uh, your relationship with God and how that developed. Um, and, and kind of teaching people kind of like a lot of people have mistaken notions about God and, you know, or kind of misperceptions and, you know, a lot of times they, they think about, you know, like a lot of, like you probably are familiar with a lot of the, um, kind of discourse about, um, you know, how, you know, what do, what do you think is the biggest prevalent, uh, Misconception about uh, God or relationship our relationship with God. Misconception, yeah. Well,
2: well, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is, is that a lot of people think that they could just get God and grab him and say, Hey, I got God because I read this or I heard someone say this and they told me to do this and now I know that I have God. Yeah. And I think those are the biggest conce- misconceptions about it. What people don't realize is that it's, it's very simple. Um, when you're hearing the scriptures or the Bible being taught, or they're talking about Jesus Christ, it's the spirit of God that draws people to even believe that God had a son Christ and he died and was resurrected. So it takes the spirit of God to open up your understanding to that, to accept that first. Because that's where it all begins. And you have to know that God really exists. And if you don't have that, that's your 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 foundation for salvation. Mm. But a lot of people will say that if you come to church, if you you know, you come to Sunday school or you pay tithes or you give tributes or you you take a shake your hand you know the right hand of fellowship or if you get baptized then you're you're in the family of God and that's not necessarily true yeah. that is not true um, and a lot of people get duped into that and they wonder why they have such a hard time trying to live a righteous life when they don't even when they haven't even covered first base of salvation. Of having that real relationship with God through Christ.
0: Mm. You were talking a little bit about the Spirit. You're referring to the the communion with the Holy Spirit, or how, how can I talk yeah. a little bit about kind of the difference between yeah, lot, or the distinction between, yeah. yeah. A lot
2: of people, you know, they'll call it the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. They, uh, you'll hear a lot of people say that the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Well, the Spirit of God is actually the force; it's the energy force. That comes from God that actually uh activates the word of God. When you hear the scriptures, that's the word of God. The Spirit of God is the part of God that is the energy that gives life to that word mm. and to everything that God wants to do. Mm. It is the one that it's the worker, I would put it that way. Yeah. It's the one the way God gets his hands uh dirty. Yeah. When yeah. It's rolling up his knees.
1: But on the individual level, like I, I'm not, I don't consider myself religious, but I do see a lot of benefits for people that are religious, as far as like self control and, um, you know, things like addiction. It seems like people can get over a lot of things that they have a lot of faith and spirituality. So, do you consider right. religious more on the individual level or like the organized religion and group level? I think it's kind of two dynamics.
0: Yeah. How do you How do you think about um, kind of like power structures in regards to religion, like how You know, just generally speaking, a lot of people have problems with institutions when they become institutionalized. You know, what are your feelings about that?
2: Well, I'll say this. I do understand that there is there could be corruption when you have organized religion. Mm. There can be because, you know, you're dealing with the human element. You know, you're dealing with man. Uh, When you deal with man, man has a way of wanting to stay in power if they are in power. A lot of times, you know, there's greed. You know, a lot of people talk about how the church is taking people's money. A lot of people talk about the corruption of the church where they are, you know, abusing people or using their talents or gifts of people to get gain. Or, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, pastors and, you know, uh, bishops that, that have abused their congregational members, sleeping with the women, things like that. But. What my view is, is that is this, if you are a believer and believers will gather together in a place called church and a church could be between two people, it could be hundreds of people. But the the bottom line is that when you want to establish a church, you should let the spirit of God rule and the word of God be the ruling factor of the church itself. And not just everybody's, you know, intellect and wisdom trying to put it in there to, to try to run it. And that's where we run into a lot of problems. Because I think that the, the scriptures is plain the way it puts out how a church should be organized and how it should run. But, you know, a lot of people put their add-ons to these things, and that's what's caused that disruption. Because a lot of people, they, they debate over what they want to believe about the scriptures too. And that causes problems.
0: Yeah, and also, speaking of scriptures, um, you know, um, a lot of times people feel like the scriptures are something to be, like, an intermi- intermediary between you and the scripture, like, to translate or to uncode or depack or unpack the scriptures. What is your relationship with scriptures? Do you feel like you got guidance from a civic teacher or a civic teaching, and um, how do you unpack it on your own when you're reading uh, independently now, uh, or do you feel like you need the church to be able to— uh, have a direct, or do you feel like you have a direct relationship with scriptures? There?
2: Well, that's a good thing, because I'll, I'll say this, and this is what happened for me, and I would, would recommend this to anyone I meet, and when I was about, when I was 18, I left home to go to the army, right? Mm. And while I was there, I took it upon myself to start reading the Bible myself, just reading it on my own. Now, not using any type of commentary, not listening to any type of bishop or preacher, no other books, just reading the Bible and ask God to open up my understanding to what I was reading, because I believe God. And I said, if this is your word, God, then you show me what it is that you need me to see. So I was doing that. And, um, a few months was going by and I, I ran into another gentleman who was my friend and, um, he was an evangelist, but he, he said something to me. He said something to the fact he asked me, was I a believer? And I said, yes. And then he asked me, you know, do I have the Holy Spirit? I said, yes. Then he asked me, do you speak in tongues? I said, yes, I've done that. Then he asked me, do you act upon what you believe? And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, what does that mean? But in essence, what it did is set me on a journey to read the scriptures and ask God to show me what it is that he wants me to do purposely, you know. And that's where my journey began. It began with, I didn't need anybody else to unpack the scriptures for me. Mm. Because, matter of fact, I I would even say this to you, in the Bible itself, in the book of John, in the 14th chapter, it talks about it, that you, if you have the spirit, it's spiritually discerned, the scriptures are spiritually discerned, and it said that you don't need no man to teach you. And in the book of James, it talks about if you have faith and ask God, to, ask God for wisdom, it said he will give it to you and not hold it from you. So any individual could come to God and read the scriptures, believe that he is, and get this information. It will be given to them. So and they- that's what set me on my path even now today. I don't need the church to unpack anything. Mm, the, thank, you, the, thank you. the church is there to help people to come along that are you know coming collectively to do joint efforts or for people who are just hearing it from the first time when they're preaching the gospels about jesus christ well, so when the church you... has its place but the individual must study to show himself approved too also excuse me one sec
0: yeah so i i definitely believe that and i think that even in uh, various traditions, we have a uh, teacher, teachings, and community. Um, and you had to step away, but we'll just talk a little bit about kind of like the idea of community. And uh, Matt, and I can talk a little bit about community and the idea of community. Oh, okay, good, good. Um, so speaking about community and about um, kind of like how we find community, and we, we could go a little bit into your days in the Army, how, you know, um, Tell us a little bit about how you interact with people who are not in the fold, and who, and how you kind of enact God's will through, or kind of flow through God's will, kind of confronting people who may be challenging or maybe kind of um, believing different things. Or, or how do you how do you negotiate, um, you know, inter interfaith dialogues.
1: And also, like healing, like the the yeah. time he he said he started reading the Bible when he started just joined the army. So that was just yeah. a challenging time.
0: Yeah, that must have been a challenging time, like dealing with the army and kind of dealing with the the protocols, if you will, of the army. The kind of the inherent, uh, you know, non Christian idea of the army, and uh, you know, or at least with of of my understanding of the Christian ideals, and uh, kind of dealing with that and negotiating with non faith non faith based organization.
2: Well. Well, one of of the things that that stood out to me as I started to read was that um, when I first got to my unit down in Texas, I was at Fort Hood. I was down in Fort Hood, Texas. When I first got there, I was private, you know, new. And um, they were talking about, you know, I was dealing with some guys who were from the Vietnam era, you know, some of the older sergeants in Vietnam era. And they were talking about, you know, going to go to war and all this other stuff. And you're gonna go, and I was like, "Man, listen, I ain't going nowhere. I'm not." Here. <laughs> I was telling them, "I ain't going nowhere." Not that I was afraid of war, or anything like that. I just was still grappling with the fact of having to kill somebody. So I said it to myself. I was arguing with them. This was in eighty. This was in the eighties, the late eighties. So I argued with them, and and then I was reading the scriptures, and I came into the Book of Romans, and a light came on that basically the scripture was telling me is that you take me being in the military it's my job to do certain functions and then i realized that people in the in the bible were going to war like david he would go to war joshua they would go to war they would fight they would kill so i was like wow so i said well then i said how does that play for me you know and it was just under the understanding is that I'm under the government. So me executing in the army under the government is not me going out there cold-bloodedly murdering people. Mm-hmm. So killing and murder is two different distinctions. And then that's where I wind up to make peace with it. So I went back. So I apologized to the guys in, in the <laughs> when I was in the army. I apologized to the sergeants and stuff. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll go. whatever, whatever. whatever. And um, they was like, "Oh, before you saying you wouldn't go," and I was like, "Yeah, I will go." You know, once I got clarity from God, so I was like, "Yeah." When I read it in the scripture, and I understood it for myself, and I was like, "You know, I can go."
0: Yeah, even uh, even in the Hindu tradition, they have the Bhagavad Gita, which is the um, discourse given to Krishna, given from Krishna to Arjuna about his qualms about you know going to war. And and he kind of clarified that uh, in his discourse, he clarified that you're Doing what's righteous, and you're doing the righteous action, and this righteous action supersedes sur- um, individual uh, actions that may be perceived as wrong. Like the generally speaking, his mission is to uphold righteousness. So speaking of Sorry. righteousness and how um, the topic of righteousness and how you know uh, when we think about um, anger on an individual level, you know, individual getting mad at someone that's obviously you know incorrect or misguided. When we think about right. institutions and getting, getting, uh, standing up the weak and, you know, uh, righteousness in action, sometimes that requires force or some kind of, you know what I mean? Like, in other words, we, we have to protect, absolutely. we have to be a shepherd, we have to protect the weak. And uh, talk a little bit about that and about how your views on what is righteous anger or what is righteous, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, that, that is absolutely right on, right on point. And, 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 you know, it's funny how I see that there's the similarities. The similarities is just the same. Mm-hmm. Is when you're in, in Christendom, right, it's just the same, is that if the flock is being attacked, you're the shepherd of a flock. And when it comes to human rights, basic human rights, which is, you know, people need to be able to eat. People need to be able to worship where they need to worship. People need to be able to love whoever they want to love. People need to be able to have health care. People need to be able to have a job. People need to be able to have, you know, know where they want to live and what they want to do and pursue their happiness in life. Those are the things that is righteous that you fight for. Those are the things you stand up for when you see the poor being oppressed. That's something you stand up for when people are being denied their rights. To be who they are, which is given by God to everyone, those are the things that you want to stand up for. You know, apparently our, our government, sometimes they say they're doing this, you know, when they want to go in there and do the humanitarian work. They call it humanitarian, you know, uh, standing up for people like for women's rights and things like that. But, you know, our government always have a second agenda if it's about the resources of the land, if there's oil in the case of being over in Kuwait, you know, liberating Kuwait. Because I've seen them in one hand go liberate Kuwait, but then when when Rwanda was happening in the 90s, because there was no resources in Rwanda in Africa, and people were being slain and killed because they were of different tribes for ethnic cleansing, no one in the world did anything. So if they want to tell me about a righteous cause to go fight, I believe that was a righteous cause to go fight for. Yes, so, yes. yeah, I understand exactly what
0: you're saying. So speaking a little bit about flaws in humans and, and the ways in which we're flawed, um, you know, the, the Christian doctrine believes, uh, at least my understanding of it, is that it the original mm-hmm. sin and the fact that we're fundamentally sinners or fundamentally flawed. Um, how do we reconcile that with, how, you know, in those, on one hand, we have a direct relationship with God, and we kind right. of communion with God and on the other hand we're kind of these flawed sinners. Like how do you how do you reconcile that? And how do you how do you negotiate the the trappings of kind of on the one hand, kind of shaming ourselves and lauding God? Or you know right. what I mean? Like how do you negotiate that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well well, that's the beauty of the gospel. That that this is the crux that from the beginning of time, if you if you will, if with Adam and Eve, right? when they talked about them disobeying God in the Garden of Eden, just sticking with the Christian faith for a second here. You know, that's the fall of man. Death started coming to the land because of that, because he said the day that they eat up the tree, they should surely die. So now there was a falling away. They didn't physically die that day, but they died spiritually, meaning that they were severed their connection from a spiritual being of a God, because man is made up of, my of a body and a soul and a spirit but his spirit was severed with his connection with god because of disobedience now where all that plays into the fact now later on when christ comes on the scene he they had to be shed in the blood they had to be death because of sin because the, the bible teaches the wages of sin is death so now in order to deal with death and punishment It has to, the only only way to reconcile um, sin is through shedding of blood, death. So now someone had to come and die for all mankind because all mankind fell because of one. Now one had to come. Now, this is the reason why it's important of the immaculate conception of Jesus, that he was born of a virgin and that God planted him inside of Mary and he was born so that, he wouldn't have the same sin conscious as humans, regular humans, but yet he was human. And when he died, his blood was being shed because he lived a life without sin. And then when he was resurrected, he had all power now over death. Now he can give that relationship to restore it back man to God. When they believe on Jesus, that's the whole message of the gospel altogether. So now when man knows he's floored, he has forgiveness of sin because he believes on the blood of Christ that wiped away his sin. Yeah. That's pretty much how it rolls up in a nutshell.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And um, so now continuing with your personal relationship and, and how it evolved and, and how this kind of uh, how this plays out, how you enact God's will, you know, how you kind of feel like you kind of channel or enact. Tell us a little bit about some situations to select a situation in which, You know, you have double mind or, you know, if you know, kind of taking that the two paths diverging where you can see how you would have played out one way if you didn't have this faith. And another way, you know, what I mean, like kind of multiverse is kind of of a way in which, like, uh, you know, selecting a situation, concrete situation where you're like, oh, at first I thought, you know, bring us to your thought process. Yeah.
2: Okay. um, even with the war thing. When I first started out, I didn't want to go to war and all that stuff. And then when I read the scriptures, I found out that there's, there's place for it because the government, as I explained earlier, and um, that's my job. And it was in 90. Um, I heard when I, I was praying one day, I was praying, I was reading scripture, and it came to me and I heard it in my, in my, in my mind. I could hear it saying that there was going to be a war. And this was February of 1990. I was due to get out of the army May 9th of 91. That was my contract would have been up. And it came to me that we was going to have a war. And it said, and it said, just like this, I heard a voice. And it said to me, it said like this, you're going to go overseas, fight in a war and come back before it's time to get out of the military before my time was up. And I was like, okay, wow. So now. I heard this, right? And it was so real. Mm. So I started to tell everybody. (laughs) I was telling all the sergeants, they thought I was crazy, right? They was like, oh, you were just telling us that you wouldn't go to war. But now you're saying you go to war. Now you're telling us it's going to be a war? Man, you must be out your mind. So I was like, okay, whatever. So that June, I haven't been home in almost two years. So it came to me to go home. I went to visit for three weeks. I came back July 15th. Two weeks after that, Saddam invaded Kuwait. Mm. They stopped everybody from going, you know, overseas. They stopped them from leaving the army. They stopped people from, you know, uh, going on vacation and everything. Because this was the war effort that was getting everybody ready for this battle. So now everybody's remembering me telling them that there was going to be a war. So everybody's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right? And But I was calm about the whole thing because I knew ahead of time. So... I go over there, you know, I get there, I'm chilling, I'm happy, I'm like, hey, I know I'm coming back because I was told about this war ahead of time, so my faith was intact, so I couldn't even be, I wasn't even fearful of even dying out there. So, when I, um, after all that I was going on out there, some of the people that was with me in my unit, because I transferred units, um, they wanted to be around me the whole time. You know, everybody. Wanted to hear something about God then, you know what I'm saying, before they was laughing and joking at me. But then everybody wanted to hear about God. They wanted me to pray and, you know, stuff like that. So I got back April 18th from the war. I got back April 18th of 91. Three weeks before it was time for me to finish with my commitment with the Army. But, of course, I reenlisted again, you know. <laughs> yeah. but But it kept me sane. You know, that thing kept me sane through that whole process when everybody else was going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs at the time.
1: How how long were you in the Army for? How many many times did you re-enlist?
2: I spent almost 10 years. Oh, wow. I spent nine years, like seven months and some change. And um, I re-enlisted, I think, one time, two times, I extended once. I think I re-enlisted twice and extended once.
0: Yeah. yeah. So now to change, to shift a little bit into your travels after, or I know what the period is you started doing some extensive worldwide traveling. So talking a little bit about that, I mean, obviously in the army you went around, but I mentioned your personal travels, um, you know, kind of exploring different areas and cultures and your appreciation for different cultures and kind of how holding the torch for yourself and meanwhile interacting with interfaith dialogues or interfaith or intercultural dialogues, how that impacted you and, and, And what, what impact did that have, and and what kind of stories or or memories do you have with that?
2: Oh, like the first time, well, since I've been on the job here, um, I ran into, uh, (laughs) our other friend, that was the first time I actually have taken a trip out of the U S outside of being in the military. And, um, we went to Vietnam and, uh, it was. Tejas, Casper, and myself, we went, and um, for the first time, I was looking at the world without the military, you know, lens, so now I'm out there with people, looking at people, you know, moving around in their everyday life and stuff like that, which I found very nice, because it gave me a different um, view of how to interact with people too. So even though I was already mature, cause I was already in my forties at that time, you know, but, um, it, it let me embrace the world in a different way than going into capacity as a soldier versus we, a civilian showing up in another country.
1: You guys and, went um, to multiple countries yeah. too, right? You guys went to multiple countries? Yeah. We like wind up going weeks? to
2: Cambodia. We wind up going to Cambodia. We went to the killing field, uh, we went to uh, San Rink, where the ankle Watt is at. We went there. And then, you know, we, me and Casper went back into uh, Vietnam and started going from city to city up until we got up to Hanoi. And um, we met up with teachers again because he was over in Laos at the time. But the people were nice, you know. Everybody was nice. No one, you know, did anything or tried anything. I really didn't get to talk to the people as much, but I did visit some pagodas at the time and did get to talk to a couple of monks, which I found very interesting. One of the monks I talked to, he had been to New York three times, (laughs) amazingly. You know, it just so happened I ran into a monk that actually had been to New York three times so that me and him started to talk and things like that. And he was telling me a little bit about how his everyday uh, devotions go. And uh, we went into a couple of temples where we made prayers. And uh, me and Casper, actually, we sat in this one, we went to this one pagoda and uh, they had this giant bell, a very giant bell that you sit underneath on a, on a plank and you're inside the bell. And the priest would strike the bell and the vibrations oh, wow. of the bell <laughs> yeah. would go through you from the top of your head to the oh, soles of your feet. It feels like a wave of energy just flowing through you. I thought that was one of the most awesome things that, you know, amazing, that I experienced amazing, with yeah. dealing with them. That was amazing. Yeah.
0: So this is Radio for Brooklyn, uh, the Truth to Power show. We're talking with Andrew Barfield, and we're here with co-host Colt Madison. Um, So we're talking a little bit about journeys in faith. Um, also, I just wanted to say that just in my own opinion, you know, I think what I'm getting out of what you're saying or what some of the takeaways is that, you know, I, and I, tell me what you think about this. Um, I feel like you're encouraging uh, the listeners to develop their own relation direct relationship with God through the Holy Spirit kind of get connecting with that so they can kind of be empowered be kind of find that truth find that power within themselves um, What I would say is that uh, you know a lot of times the institution of church gets criticized and I know it's your community but um, what, what, what what do you think is mis- what do you think is one of the major one of the ma- some of the major or one of the major have uh, ways in which the church has dropped the ball, if you will, and, and like kind of ways in which they've kind of failed to live up to as an institution, failed to live up to their full potential. Is there anything that you think you'd like to say that we can engage with that was like, Oh, you know, I wish that they would, you know, I wish the church, or, there's so many different passages to the church, actually that's kind of right. word church is kind of ambiguous, but you can, you can kind of take that where you, where you'd like to, um, whether it be your church or whether it be the church in general you think about the institution right. of church, yeah.
2: Okay. Um, if I had a wish list, <laughs> you know, if what I believe is that through faith, through the eyes of faith, the church would do certain things. First of all, the church continue to forgive. Forgiveness is a major, 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 major fact. You know, the scripture tells, teaches about how can you love. God, who you have not seen and not love your neighbor, who you do see. So in essence, when people make mistakes in life and they come to the terms that they made the mistake and they repent to embrace them, take them back in with love, allow them to execute, you know, in the faith that they say they believe in and so that they can get back to doing the things that they need to do and not be excommunicated, especially if they repented. You know, a lot of times the church thinks that they are the judge, jury, and executioner, and they're not, and they shouldn't. Yes, we judge the action that someone does if they make a fault, but we don't judge the heart of the person if they're saying that they are repentant. And if they are repentant, then we must have a way to share love with them so they can be able to be back into the fold and get back to business. And that's taking care of people, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself. And I think that's the most powerful thing that they could do.
1: Now, a lot of the, my understanding, of like the jail Christian things, like the, 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 um, uh, 10 commandments, like thou shall not kill treat yourself, Like those are something that are, are universal that have like impacted, you know, the, the whole, whole world it it follows those things but i guess my main problem with religion is like as an institution is it does create like an us versus them mentality with some people so that's like that's my main turnoff like you know like you can go to my church but you can't go to that church and you know
0: tribalism in general it's like you know kind of as you're talking about neighbor and sometimes neighbor Mm -hmm. can be defined as your fellow community as only within your community like for example. When the the Constitution was written, they said all men are created equal. They meant you know right. they meant a specific set of parameters. Right. But what are your parameters right. for uh, neighbor? Uh, what, how do you define neighbor?
2: Oh, everybody's my neighbor. Mm. <laughs> Am yeah. I my brother's keeper? Everybody's my brother. Yes, because there's only one blood that everybody was come from, which was when Adam came from Adam and Eve. Everybody comes through that same bloodline, made from the dirt. Mm. If you check everybody, scientifically, you check everybody's skin composition, it's made from the ground, the blood, everything. I mean, so everybody is my neighbor. So no matter if I'm in India, no matter if I'm in China, no matter if I'm in South America, Australia, Europe, Africa, U.S., Canada, no matter where I'm at on this earth, humankind is my neighbor.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And also, I just want to share with you some of the perspectives from the, the traditions I've grown up with. Uh, you know, when we think about ourselves, who am I? And I think about our, our structure of what is the, the experience I'm having. Um, a lot of the teaching I've received have said that it disappears. Like, uh, we're like nothing. We're like dust in the wind. You know, who am I? You know, VJ, you know, R. Nathan, or R. J. Ramanathan, all these multiple ways in which I'm expressed disappears. Actually, the energy, as you said, the Holy Spirit, the energy that flows through me in the position I'm in, is expressing itself or experiencing itself as this illusion of myself. And, you know, this is actually a construct. Um, so when we talk about identity, your identity as a person, and how you experience your identity as a person, like, you know, I think that uh, we kind of disappear in, in, in deference to the, the higher powers. You know, my mom used to say the higher self. or the, the, the You know, she, she connected to ourselves in the sense of the the greater self, the higher self. You know, and we divide and a lot of Western psychology divides up into, you know, um, various aspects of the, of the psyche. So, uh, you know, right. how we, you know, tell us a little bit about your opinions about or your views on um, kind of the, the ultimate question of who am I? Because you answered, like, why am I here in some ways? And right. the fundamental, elemental questions are who am I? Why am I here? And what purpose do I serve? All this kind of thing. So we got up into the second part of, that, of that, those elemental questions. But the question of who are you is, is pertinent for me.
2: Okay. Well, let's, let's look at it this way. I'm a simple person. And if you know why you're here, the why comes from who gave you the purpose. Mm. And who that gives you the purpose has also given you an identity. So there is a collective of all spirits, of all humanity, that comes from the one who created all spirits. So when he disseminated himself into each and every person, because there's a part of the creator inside of all creation. So there, your identity lies with your creator. And once a person comes on the path of their religious path of studies, if it be Christianity, if it be Hinduism, if it be through the Muslim faith or do it be Tao. So what, or, or through Buddhism, whatever channel that you take to get, connect it back to the creator, you'll find your identity when you find your creator. Because your creator knows the purpose of you. And when you are communing with that creator, you'll find all of your identity of who you are. Mm. All of the creator is in you. So the kingdom of the creator or of God is in you. And once you realize that, that will help you to be able to help anybody else that's going through the human experience of trying to connect with the creator Mm. because now you're not going to do them wrong. You're not going to try to hurt them, harm them. You're going to encourage them, nurture them. You're going to give, you're going to love, you're going to speak with kindness. You'll treat your neighbor as yourself because you know, you're a reflection of your creator and so are they. And once humanity realizes that we're all parts and fragments of a greater whole part of the creator will stop fighting with each other and misusing each other and oppressing each other and abusing each other.
0: Mm. Thank you, thank you. And also speaking on interpersonal relationships and the ways in which we interact with people on a on a fundamental day to day level you know, on that topic, you know, it seems like one of the teachings I received is about like actor and act an actor and script or actor and uh, actor and stage, rather. Um, so, like, a lot of times we take on the role. We're taking on a role, really, as opposed to kind of getting too fixated on these things. When we talk about trauma or um, pain that happens to us, we should keep it lightly, We hold it lightly, in the sense that this all happens for the reason of to kind of make us have these realizations, that it's all kind of... Do you believe in, like... In, in the Hindu tradition, they call it Maya, or illusion. But uh, I know mm-hmm. what the Christian tradition, if they have an equivalency... The fact, the idea that um, our lives are mere dramas that we're enacting. So, like, what Mm -hmm. is what is kind of your perspective on that and that kind of philosophy, and and how does Christianity kind of speak on that? In the sense that you know, like, you know, we get so fixated on our narratives. You know, we get so fixated on this happened to me, and when the question, the eternal question of why does God allow suffering in the world? You know, but suffering really is optional in a sense because we're enacting a role in this drama, if you will. But what is your what is your take on that?
2: I believe that there um, there were conditions that were set. Um, from since sin comes in, there's going to come some type of consequence. You know, there's going to be death. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be you know hardship that comes with it. Sickness, disease, all that stuff to come with that. So, in the Christian faith, a lot of people get wrapped up in the fact of because you are now in the faith, nothing's supposed to happen to you. No. You're dealing with a world that still has to, not only do people need salvation, but the systems that control the world, the elements, need salvation too. That means the sea, that means the sky from the pollution, the sea from its pollution, uh, the earth, and we talk about global warming, these things, all these things need salvation too. So there are conditions that's always going to be around us, but in the Christian faith, you have to remember what is in you the thing that's in you is more eternal and more real than the thing that is going around you because those are circumstances that happen on the outside so what people have to realize is that your spirit person is eternal and the physical person that you're in the day-to-day the flesh that we see is temporary and when bad things are happening You're not worried about the bad thing happening. You're just holding on to what you know who you are and what you are and who you belong to and what role that you need to play in that situation where others can see you either overcome or stand your ground so that they know that you can go through situations without being just tossed to and from, you know, being upset and being frazzled and discombobulated in life, and those are the people that you see that are devout people. You'll see certain incidents of that happening with some, you know, with certain people where it stands out. Like Martin Luther King, you know, he says he had a dream. He went, but he was ready to die for the cause that he was going through. Yes, it was it was injustice. Yes, there was racism. Yes, they were abusing. Yes, he was put in jail. Yes, they beat him. Yes, they you know they did these things, but he never wavered from the dream. And he never said, oh, why is this happening to me? Because he knew internally the message that he got from the creator for the role that he had to play. And that's being in tune with your spirit so that your body can follow in the path that it needs to go to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also what it makes me think of is the idea of mission and life, mission and life kind of the idea that we're all on a mission in life I mean, a lot of times people have this grandiosity about you know, like they have to be recognized by the community. They have to be. Everyone has to sing their praises, and everyone has to be like, "You're the best. You're the greatest." But uh, you know, what I'm right. hearing from you what you're saying is that it's a humbleness to it. The idea that it's mainly it's you know, our mission can be quiet, can be can be uh, can be soft spoken, can be we can be a team player, and at the same time enact the mission of our life. So uh, speaking on yeah, see so if you talk
1: a little bit more about mission and life. Um, and, and all that. Uh, yeah, Matt. Uh, yeah, I just, had a, I just had a quick thing. Um, I think with, uh, you're talking about the devout person. How do they handle failure? Do they handle failure differently or like setbacks or things like that where they, you just keep on your mission if you fail and just like, you know, get up and try again? Or is it it's a little different with huh. what the mindset you're talking about?
2: That's funny. This morning, <laughs> I was just telling these people upstairs <laughs> at work, I'm at work right now, but I, I, I was telling them upstairs that, I just had this thing come to me this morning, just this morning, about, I guess it was about two hours ago. People always talk about the successes that they do in life, but life is about failures Mm. and your failures. Nobody wants to say, you know, Hey, my failures, my failures, but the failures is where the fullness of life is at because those are all those attempts. Those are experiences. And that's how you live this life with the experience because this life is for experiencing things. So yeah, sometimes we win some, sometimes we're going to lose some, but I would say this, the main purpose that you're called here to do, if you're connected with the creator, you'll get that accomplished before your time expires. So it doesn't have to be recognized by everyone. And, you know, I may not never make, the, the national, you know, headlines. But the people that I did come in contact with me, that's in my radius of my living, like on my job or my family or my friends, the people I went to school with, they will feel the effects of it. That's why what happens when people go to people's funerals they mm-hmm. talk about how the person has touched their lives. So my energy, even though I'm gone, continues to live on in other people, how I affected them.
0: Thank you. Thank you. This is Radio for Brooklyn on Radio for Brooklyn, the Truth to Power show. Uh, I just have a quick few announcements. Friends, COVID 19 is disrupting everyone's lives right now, and Radio for Brooklyn is no exception. Uh, we made every effort to ensure the health and wellness of our being as our hosts, staff, and community at large. Uh, right now, we're starting to integrate in, returning to the studio. But, um, you know, with most of our previous review streams evaporated, we need your help. We realize you may be hurting too, but if you can afford a small donation, we have a long way to help us stay in the air. There are three ways you can help. First, you can give a one time donation by giving it RadioFreeBookLens.org slash donate. There you'll find some great t shirts, mugs, and other swag to help you stay, say, say, say thanks. You can also use your phone to get RFB Give 5. That's number 5 to 44321. Four, it only takes a moment. You'll be able to use your digital wallet for the donations. Finally, if you shop at Amazon, you can go to amazoncom smile and register to radiofrebooklands nonprofit to support. When you do a percentage of your sales, we'll go to RFB and cost you nothing. No donation is too big or too small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and, listen, and wish all listeners health and happiness and weather the storm together. Uh, remember to like us on Facebook, Ready for Uh facebook.com slash readyfreebk. Uh, so we're here with Andrew Barfield and, and co-host Colt Mallison. Uh, we're kind of wrapping up in the last nine minutes or so uh, with uh, conversations around faith and around um, uh, kind of uh, a mission in life. We're talking a little bit of a mission in life and about... Um, in the last tale of our conversation, we are talking about mission and about kind of understanding or re- recognizing or realizing our mission, and kind of overcoming, perceived. When we talk about failures, it's usually in, uh, it's really in relationship to what our goals are. And if we have higher goals, if we have higher mindsets, then there is no failure, I think is what I'm kind of hearing, is that we, you know, we're doing uh, un- um, unfinishable work, uh, work that can never be finished. And every little step back, and just like a weight trainer – picks up a heavy weight, you know, in order to gain that muscle. Our failures can be like weights, can be like pushing our will, testing our will in order to gain the stronger our strength. Um, so you talked a little bit about a test of your will, a test of your kind of a faith and test of your will in the in the army, kind of that, that dividing road uh, and, you know, how and viewing it as kind of a test of that faith. And then you came up stronger, you know, I think is, is what kind of we got out of that. Yeah. I think it's one of the takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then also going into this in the final moments, um, what are the last uh, lessons or, or, or insights you'd like to impart in the listener to be able to kind of a, to do a homework, if you will? What are some things they can start that journey on or continue their journey on uh, that will give them some insight into breaking breakthroughs? Yeah.
2: I think a lot of times with, you know, if you want to do something, just remember, I think, that. Uh, so a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So putting an, 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 an object or a thing or an action into mind and speaking it and believing what you're saying starts to pinpoint you into the way to focus and to channel yourself into getting things done. Because a lot of times we just think things. Then there's other times we just say things. And then sometimes we do things that we didn't even intend to do because we just did them. Mm. But just imagine if you can take an idea, think it through, then come up with a method, say it. Keep saying it to yourself that that's what you want to do. And every day apply something to it. And as you do that, lo and behold, in time, you'll get it accomplished one step at a time. Yeah. It's like I'm going, I'm thinking about climbing Kilimanjaro when I'm in Tanzania. And um, I don't know if I'm going to get to do it or not, but I might. But if I do go, I feel that I'll just take it one step at a time. Nobody gets to a summit in one step. Mm. It's, just, it's a series of one step in front of the other. And yeah. I know how to walk. And that's what you always got to remember. You have what it takes inside of yourself to achieve whatever it is that you're believing. And if you can stay focused and say that and do that, you'll be able to have whatever you want with a little patience. Yeah, it may be setbacks. You're going to get tired. You're going to feel pain. You're going to get, you know, you cough a little bit. You, you may even, you know, puke a little bit on the way up. But <laughs> you may get a little dizzy. <laughs> but if you persevere and keep going... You know, the reward is there and it's waiting for you. And even if you don't climb it, get to the place where you want. Even if you go halfway, the experience of what you learn in going forward will help you in the next thing that you're trying to do and you'll be able to complete it. Um, I,
1: had a fun qu- a song. I had a fun question. Uh, you, 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 you do have a presence and you, you do treat people well. And I, I just have a fun question. What's, what's your top karaoke songs? Is you 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 have a good talent for karaoke
2: <laughs> top karaoke songs i've always liked uh Red" and sitting on top of
1: the bay oh wow that's sitting a good at one. the dock of the bay i like nice, that nice one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: you know there's no there's no uh, vocal gymnastics with that <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so uh i guess the last question i last question i was like yeah like um Kind of, it seems like it like finding the joy in this work is what I would get into. Like, uh, you know, a lot of times people kind of are so serious-minded about this, right. this this kind of work, and, and I think that question kind of provoked in me the idea that we have to remember to laugh and smile and kind of enjoy. And you know, that's the only way. Joy is a joyful effort. You know, finding that joy, discovering that inner joy, discovering that bliss, is the only way we're going to be able to survive. If we're taking it so seriously, like. Oh, people are dying and, and people are suffering and, and cry, cry, right. cry, you know, that I mean, there's a no time and a no place for that for experiencing um kind of this uh, catharsis. But at the same time there should be that joy, there should be that laughter and and how do you maintain that? How do you maintain that, that kind of discipline? That kind well, of joy.
2: That discipline that discipline is you know, a lot of people think that it's difficult, but it, I find that it simple things in life. The way the wind blows on your skin. The way you are able to just breathe air, things that are free, things that are lovely. When you see a, a, a bird in its flight, when you see a squirrel just jump and climb on a tree, when you see it, a, 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 a flower just blowing in the wind, it, it's a simple thing. Those things bring calmness. They bring stillness. They bring peace. Because in the midst of a world where they say that, you know, it's toxic, and that it's global warming and all these things, you still find beauty in everything, in art, in music, in theater, in, 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 in culture, in the foods. People are still creating. So I think as long as people are creating, there's always gonna be joy.
1: That's
2: because it. creation comes from a place of joy. You're designing, you're developing, you're engineering, you're, you're increasing, you're expanding something from you. You're giving energy out that's positive when you create something. Mm. So as long as everybody's out there creating, guess what? We're going to have positivity in this world.
1: Yeah, that's why everyone likes we, to, new songs, new books. Everyone wants new, new things because like, there is something about when people create things. That, that's a good point. Right. And everybody has the ability to create something.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. This has been the Truth to Power Show on Radio for Brooklyn. We're here with Colt Mallison and, and Andrew Barfield. We're just about to wrap up, but I just want to say that we air every uh, Sunday now at 11 a.m. So in case you're listening to this uh, through the uh, rebroadcast, which is right now, I believe, Thursday at 9 a.m., but check the radioforbrooklyn.com or .org uh, to find out the schedule. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Andrew. Thank you. It's
2: my pleasure. i I Really appreciate the time. And it went fast. Yeah, went yeah, fast exactly, so we have exactly. More time. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just remember to check out our archive of episodes. We have, uh, this is episode, I believe, 171, but you're probably listening on your computer or on your uh, app. If, you have, if you're listening on your computer, listen to the app. Uh, download the apps for your iPhone or Android. Uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, feel free to visit my site, bjrnathan.com. Uh, we may be able to. Uh, have call ins in future, but uh definitely stay tuned and listen live so you'll be able to find out more. Any last thoughts, Colt? Uh no, it's been very enjoyable. Uh, Andrew's a good he's a good guy. Thank you so much, Andrew. Any final thoughts? It,
1: man. Thank you Likewise. so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you. All right guys. Take care guys. Take care.
1: Okay. Peace, y'all. <laughs> thank you. I think we have forty seconds.
0: No. yeah.